0: Everybody, I'm Christine. I'm an alcoholic. Yeah. Oh my god. I'm so grateful to be here. Grateful that all you guys are here. This is just so amazing. It's so surreal. All this amazing energy just all night throughout this whole thing is just and I see all these beautiful smiling faces. It's just so wonderful. And welcome to the zoomers. Welcome to the newcomers. So glad that you're here. Visitors. And um Actually, I have a really amazing story. The fact that um, Kevin is here is, is, is just a miracle. Um, before I go into that, though, I have something I'd like to read real quick. Um, anyway, so um, every morning um, I read with one of my sponsors. I'm in multiple programs. <laughs> and um, yesterday morning we were reading out of the uh, 24 Hours a Day book. And in reading this, I was like, oh my gosh, this is bright in alignment with everything that I'm experiencing because of the gifts of Alcoholics Anonymous. And I just thought that it would be a good kind of opening. Uh, October 23rd, AA thought for the day. Third, we have learned how to be honest. What a relief. No more ducking or dodging. No more tall tales. No more pretending to be what I am not. My cards are on the table for all the world to see. I am what I am, as Papa used to say in the comics. I've had an unsavory past. I am sorry, yes, but it cannot be changed now. All that is yesterday and is done. But now my life is an open book. Come and look at it if you want to. I'm trying to do the best I can. I will fail often, but I won't make excuses. I will face things as they are and not run away. Am I really honest? (sighs) And then at the bottom, we have meditation for the day. Though it may seem a paradox, we must believe in spiritual forces, which we cannot see more than in material things, which we can see if we are going to truly live. In the last analysis, the universe consists more of thought or mathematical formulas than it does of matter as we understand it. Between one human being and another, only spiritual forces will suffice to keep them in harmony. These spiritual forces we know because we can see their results, although we cannot see them. A changed life, A new personality results from the power of unseen spiritual forces working in us and through us. Prayer for the day. I pray that I may believe in the unseen. I pray that I may be convinced by the results of the unseen, which I do see. And that's what I see in all of you. And also um, in, in my experience of coming to Alcoholics Anonymous having that unsavory life. Um, Just kind of giving a little bit of a background. Um, One of the things that's come for me for my higher power is um, getting to a place before my first resentment, that place of bliss, blissful state. One of my sponsees gave me this sticker anyway, (laughs) and that's where I am. And I'm, trying to tap into that right now, as I'm talking with you, because it's such a surreal experience being connected with a higher power through Alcoholics Anonymous and what it took to get here is so amazing that now, like when Anna, thank you so much for asking me to do this because when I started to think about it, unfortunately, because I practice not thinking a couple of weeks ago, thoughts kept coming into my mind about what to share. And in the past, I would always just discard those thoughts because I just want to stay blank. I'm not thinking. I'm trying to just be in the moment, be in the present moment and not project into the future, blah, 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 blah. Anyway, so, but they just kept coming. It was like waves of information. So I decided to start writing them down. thought, well, well, maybe my higher power is channeling to me. And these are the things that I share with my, my sponsees when we're doing the steps, you know, that this is about growing your connection with your higher power and listening and receiving that were programmed to receive the love and the messages anyway. So I started writing them down and what came through was I ended up with pages and pages and it was a gratitude list. It was a gratitude list. First of all, the things I was writing, you know, page 86, 88, 89, 161, 130. 30. I mean, all these pages. And, and then all of the people and the steps and, but then I also started to then come up with all the things that had happened in my life before coming into AA And that was really blowing me away because my gratitude list was including everything. And that to me was was a miracle. That was like in that reading, the unseen and seeing now on the other side of having my sobriety days, April 4th, 2010. So I have a little over 11 years Um, on the other side of coming into AA and working the steps, working the program, using the tools of the program, getting sponsees, being sponsored, all that stuff having some clarity, seeing the fact that our higher power has been present all along, not just when I showed up into the rooms of AA. So back to getting back to that place of that before that first resentment, I can remember back when I was a little girl, I was probably five years old. And this was the last blissful memory I have before coming into AA. And I remember it had been pouring down rain and the rainwater was just you know, running down the gutter out in front of our house. And I was walking up the gutter and barefooted. And I was thinking to myself, all that was in the water that I couldn't see. And I didn't know it, but I kind of knew it that I was already starting to um, uh, contemplate God, thinking about all that I was experiencing that I couldn't see, that unseen, and I felt it. And then things started happening about that same time in my life that shouldn't be happening to a little girl. And that got me thinking. So before that, I saw that I was just feeling and experiencing. And then those other things started to happen. And it got me thinking. I can still remember the time that that first time that something bad happened happened um, you know, inappropriately touched. I know we share in a general way, but I'm sure you guys can relate. Um, I can, it's almost as if I can remember the exact point when my brain was turned on and I started thinking, knowing that there was something wrong, something needed to be figured out what's going on here. I don't understand what's happening, just processing, processing, processing. And, and then after that, um, That's when i started turning to sugar so i have to share like the whole story so i didn't have alcohol yet at five but um (laughs) but i started turning to sugar and um um, and then at about the age of 12 the, the perpetrator when i was five was my grandfather and um when i was 12 um my belief is my brother is here so it's kind of interesting sharing this but um my belief my he hung my grandmother and, you know, I was 12 years old and what I heard was that grandma was dead and um, that there was impossible that she could have killed herself, even though it was presented as if it was a suicide and in um, any way, so. That And I heard my cousins and my brothers and my siblings talking about that that was, you know, that our grandfather had done that. So no one had told me that. I just overheard it. But that was a belief that I had, and I ran with that belief, and that's when I started drinking. I remember being with my cousin in, um, in their house, and our parents weren't home. We went into the bar. We decided that we wanted to play adults. And she was going to be the bartender, and I was going to be the bar patron. She started pouring drinks, and I started drinking. (laughs) It didn't matter what she poured. I drank it and I loved it and I got so wasted. Matter of fact, I ended up like throwing up all over the house. My aunt and uncle ended up having to replace all the carpeting in the house. <laughs> I ended up passing out. And so I'm right out of the gate. I'm basically, you know, blackout pass out drinker. And when I, when I woke up, there was a family picnic later that day and I'm running around the park having a good time and all the aunts and uncles are like looking at me like can't believe it, the state that I had just been in. And then I'm now I'm out there just running around anyway. I got grounded for a year for that. My mom was really good. Yeah, my mom was really good at, um, uh, she really held me to that one year of being grounded. And, uh, And I just, my disease, I needed to consume things because I was constantly thinking and I had these other things that were going on. So that's when I started like stealing cigarettes and I actually even started, we were bamboo was growing in our backyard. I started smoking bamboo. I mean, it was like anything I could get my hands on. And, uh, and I, I loved also going to like, there were some woods, I mean, this is I'm not proud of this at all. But that's why that reading is so relevant, you know, is, um, you know, going, I love to go on nature walks by myself in the woods, like right behind or kind of to the side of our house.
1: And, um, and I
0: love to set fires. Yeah, and, um, and I, I thought I always put them out when I was done with them but I can remember one time when I had walked away and then I heard the fire trucks coming
1: and I hadn't
0: gotten put the fire out anyway. And I used to light, you know, like just, just need to burn stuff, whatever. Anyway, it was whatever ways that I could act out. And, uh, anyway, so I was drinking at that point and that's when I also, um, I had tried marijuana, but I couldn't smoke marijuana because when I did that, I completely lost all control. But for some reason I felt like I could control with my drinking. So after that one year of being, um, you know, on basically kind of house arrest, um, I went to my first teenage party and they had grain alcohol there. And that was my first drink. I remember 80 proof and boy, was it ever good. And that's when I just started really taking off, you know, after school and just partying on the weekends and the drinking. And, and again, I wasn't smoking marijuana because that was the one thing that I couldn't control. And then it was a couple years later that I found cocaine. And I'm sorry, I have to bring this up because this is all of it, right? It's all All connected. And, um, and I found uh, cocaine and, um, but I was very studious at the time. So I loved school and I, I don't, and again I'm trying to not think, but it seems as if I loved school because it was a way for that place where I could feel safe and I could feel focused. So I I loved being at school. Like other kids, couldn't wait for you know summer break to come. I couldn't wait for summer break to end because I wanted to get to school. I loved being at school. I loved being in books, and those are just some of the addictions that I think my higher power gave me that kept me from I possibly going all out like schizophrenic. I don't know. I mean, I don't know how far I would have gone out if I didn't have these other things um, for me to be able to focus on. So I was a reader and I was, you know, really dedicated in school and, um, um, and just kind of, and with the drinking and the partying, it was never to be with people it was actually separating from people. And then as I got older, that's when I started doing all of it basically on my own. And, um, and, and then by, you know, starting to do the cocaine, that was when I was able to, you know, get, I had gotten a job at a bank and I was able to stay up all night and just do my partying and drinking and, you know, that whole thing. So you guys know that story. Um, but one of the things that I just, you know, I guess wanted to point out is that that my higher power was present throughout all of that and giving me these other gifts of being able to be focused and, um, you know, um, sorry, I'm kind of losing my train of thought here a little bit. Anyway, well, let's just go ahead and, and move on to um, after once I got the job, um, when I went to meet, um, I met my husband and the way what happened there was, I was going golfing with my brother because he wanted to go golfing and I didn't have anything to do. And of course I always had to stay busy anyway. So we're on the drive on the first fairway and my David at the time, you know, he wasn't my husband yet. Anyway, he offered a joint to my brother and my brother took it and David asked him, well, would your sister want some? And he said, well, I don't know. Why don't you ask her anyway? And he didn't offer it to me or he offered it to me. And I turned it down because I said that I, you know, couldn't take that because I wouldn't be able to be in control. Anyway, so he like thought that I would be able to save him because I wouldn't smoke pot. But of course, I'm an alcoholic. He's a drug addict. He's an alcoholic. We get together, we start partying and thinking we're just having a good time. And, um, and then he gets um, indicted by a grand jury for drug trafficking in Florida. And that's when he checks himself into a treatment center. And, um, and I remember going to the family night for the, at the treatment center. And that was, um, actually my second exposure to AA because he was going to AA meetings there. And I remember him coming out and showing me his big book, showing me his inventory. So he was doing the fourth step. And, um, and of course I wasn't thinking that that had anything to do with me. But that was him, that he was the alcoholic, he was the drug addict. And I just didn't see it. I didn't see that I really had a problem. I thought I was just had figured out how to live life. You know, I could drink and I could, you know, um, do the cocaine and I could work and I was enjoying like what I was doing. And um, um, anyway, so after he got out of treatment, um, he ended up staying sober, but he was dry. And in order to support him, I agreed to not drink. And so um, that lasted for a couple of years, but at the time I was really involved in my food addiction, my sugar addiction, and it had really taken off. So I was kind of bouncing between anorexia and bulimia. So I was still really kind of getting high on that, on the starving myself, and then also the binging and purging, which is a form of getting high also. And I did that for a few years. And um, I don't really think about my past too much. Anyway. So, after that, um, let's see, just a moment, um, I guess at this point, I'm just going to share where I am today because the not thinking is what I've really been practicing and coming here to share tonight. I've got really, really nervous and I got to overthinking all of it and, um, and I've really enjoyed, you know, the experience of not thinking, which means trusting God and just being in the present moment. And here I am going back and I'm trying to think about the past and what was it that happened when I've kind of let all of that go. But what I wanted to share with you was I guess the insanity of what it looked like before. Um, and how I was just always reaching for other things. And um, and then, but and but it seemed like angels were showing up. So even when, when David, my, you know, my ex-husband, when he showed up, I believe that he was like an angel and we helped save each other from, from dying. Cause I was, you know, really doing a lot of heavy partying and, um, and when he showed up, we kind of settled each other down for a bit. And then I get on to a, um, anyway, on work projects and I get great jobs. And I always seem to have these opportunities where I could go back out and I did go back out. And anyway, so kind of fast forward to the point where that got me into AA was um, um, I was I started doing ecstasy and went to a party and started doing ecstasy that kind of opened up my consciousness. And I started doing a lot of writing and I felt like I was really channeling God and doing all of this, you know, stream of consciousness writing and gotten to a point where I thought that I was actually writing a book that Was going to win me a Nobel Peace Prize, and it was <laughs> going to say, like, no, no. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was that profound, that amazing. Anyway, called the 500 Truths, yeah, anyway, yeah, and uh, not just one truth, right, but 500 Truths, right? So, just the insanity, the sanity of the thinking, right? And, um, and, and at that, in that time, actually, um. I had a friend over, and um, and I mentioned to him that um, that a girlfriend had told me that her favorite pie was meth. And he says, oh, I just so happen to have some in my pocket. Anyway, yeah. again, so he pulls it out of his pocket. We do it, of course. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is exactly the way life is supposed to feel. Yeah, it was insane. It was, yeah, anyway. And um, um, he, of course, left me with a supply because he was a drug dealer. So he knew what he was doing anyway. So he got me, you know, or he didn't get me, I got me hooked on that. So it was all my thinking, you know, of what I needed. So I just needed all the, the food, the alcohol, the drugs, the sex, the, the cocaine, the ecstasy, the mushrooms, the, you know, and then now the meth and somehow or another, I was able to really keep it together. And I had this great story I was going to share with you all the stuff. Anyway, whatever. God had another plan anyway. And I love God reminding me how powerless I am and how I know nothing. So it's really reminding me tonight that anyway, I love it anyway. And, um, so, but in doing, doing the meth, um, I did end up getting into psychosis where I thought people were after me. But before that, um, I'd had an experience on the side of the mountain in Mammoth, California, and I actually, believe it or not, was sober. I was—I might have had a couple of drinks. I might have had a couple drinks, but that, for me, that was still sober. <laughs> but all, all um, my friends that I was with—they had all been smoking pot as well, which I couldn't smoke and ski. I just knew it because I can't function at all when I did that. Anyway, so. Um, um, Standing on the side of the mountain, my friends went off on their expert, expert ski run, and I'm just standing there, and I see in a, what seemed to last a long time, but it really was a flash of um, what I consider to be odd. It was like, I believe, like the Bill W. White Light experience that he had in the hospital room. Anyway, um, and it changed absolutely everything, but it still took me four years to get into the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous. You know, I would have thought that I would have been struck sober when I saw that on the side of the mountain. Um, It was like the words that come to me as I saw the perfection and another way to describe it is is the end, even though I was also knowing at the time that there is no time so there is no end there's no beginning, but if there were an end just so I could comprehend it as a human being that 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 is the end That everybody comes into the light everybody comes into the love that that that's all there is that there really isn't anything else and so. And what I saw at the same time was I saw me and I saw fear. So I'm witnessing this perfection, this love, and I'm and I'm seeing me and I'm and I know that I'm living in a state of just complete fear. And I just ball my whole way down the mountain. Anyway, after that, um, um, that was when, you know, again, it got worse, um, you know, and I just started doing more the meth. And anyway, within a couple of months, I was done. Um, and so this is my higher power was getting my attention, trying to get my attention to show me this love, show me this beauty, but I still went to the drugs. I still went to the alcohol and, um, and at the end there, I actually was able to stop doing the meth. So I detoxed for like five days. I went, rode my bicycle over to a girlfriend's house, barefooted, barely clothed, And I show up at her house and she's like, you need to stop what you're doing. And I, and I go home and this was a miracle. This is absolutely God is I locked the door and I laid on my couch and I detox for five days and I never used meth again. But after that, I still couldn't stop drinking. I was, I was riding my bicycle to the liquor store at 6am every morning, uh, barefooted. I've lived at the beach anyway, and, uh, buying my tequila. So that was my, that was my, my, my final, my final drink anyway. Um, But I was still uh, somehow or another getting off the mat. I was still in psychosis. Um, So anyway, I don't understand how all of that works and the alcohol still perpetuating that or whatever. But I was at Starbucks one day and this guy comes over to me and he says, God told me to come talk to you. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's amazing. Sit down, let's talk. And we we talked for like four hours straight about the Bible and God and everything. Anyway, trying to make long, long story short, there's a lot to it. The next day, um, I meet him there and he's got a friend with them anyway. And right in the middle of mid sentence, he turns to me and looks me right in the eyes and he says, we're going to crush you. And, um, um and, and he said, we will not stop until we are successful. And at that point, I went home, and then my mind, my beautiful, of course, overthinking, alcoholic mind was processing everything that had happened, and all of a sudden, I was seeing all these truths, and again, whether or not they were true or not, in my mind, they were true, and then for those of you who have had that kind of experience, to this day, I still feel like it was true, so you can maybe relate to that. Nobody can tell me that it wasn't, but it doesn't really matter today. Thank God for AA. Anyway, so... So, uh, anyway, so again, long story short, uh, or I have, a, I have actually a sponsee that says long story longer, which I think is cute. Anyway, I never heard anybody say that before. Um, um, I still had, so I had this great job. I, anyway, that was one of, again, the gifts that God gave give you somehow with as studious as I was, I was always able to kind of keep really good jobs, even in all the insanity. And, um, but the meth is the one that was able to finally bring me down. That's what God got to use to, to get me. But anyway, so I was still trying to keep that job and I went on a business trip and that trip, um, it was in Atlanta and I, the people were after me here in California um, well, anyway, so I, great. I get to go on this business trip to Atlanta. Anyway, when I got to Atlanta, the people were there too. And um, so I um, I get into my hotel room and um, um, and when I get into the room, there's a, a, an adjo- adjoining door in the room. And I'm thinking to myself, oh my gosh, the people are going to come in in the middle of the night and be able to get into the room or whatever. Anyway, and I go over and I'm, I'm introducing my one of my big God experiences here, I go over to the dresser to put my clothes away. And when I open the door, there's a Bible there. Normally I would have just set the Bible to the side. And, um, for some reason, again, it was God talking to me. I was inspired to open it and I opened it randomly and I ended up on Psalm 91 anyway. So I read Psalm 91 and, um, uh, and it basically said, trust in God and no harm will come to you. You'll be covered in his feathers. You won't step your toe on a rock. You won't, you know, you'll tame the lions or whatever. It was really, really beautiful. So I recommend reading if you're interested. Anyway, so what I did is I wrote the 91 on my mirror because I believed it. And I'd already had this experience with God on the side of the mountain. So even though I had people after me, I wasn't really afraid it was more like I didn't understand what was happening. So I was sort of afraid, but not really. Like I knew that it could harm me. I really thought that they wanted to crucify me and I was like, whatever. Anyway, it was crazy, insanity. So, 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 anyway, um, so anyway, I make it through that trip. The people are everywhere when we go to lunch and everything. Anyway, I get back to California and I'm living in San Clemente at the time and I've lived there for 10 years. And for the first time ever, I actually saw the San Clemente bus. And guess which bus number is the San Clemente bus? It's the 91. So everywhere I went, there were 91s everywhere. And I saw God protecting me, you know, no matter where the people were, what they were doing, you know, because they had rented actually the place right next to where I was living. And they had a camera also in my place. And yeah, all, all, all that stuff. Yeah, it was all going on. They were poisoning my water. I couldn't drink my water. I had to go to the store and buy new water every day. Anyway. It's so funny to be able to look back at it and think, wow, that was actually, anyway, so, so, um, (laughs) that, I know, um, so the next thing I did is I thought, okay, well, I'll relocate to Florida and, um, and, and that, that way I'll be able to get away from the people and I'm stopped, I'm trying to just I don't know, just just regroup and just do everything. But I needed to keep my this great job that I had anyway. So I convinced them, so they gave me five thousand dollars and a brand new computer to move to Florida. And I get on a plane to take my cat to Florida. And then I'm going to come back and grab my stuff back there. Well, I get to Florida and the people are there too. And that was the time. That was the time when I was, um, you know, with my family and um, my my parents and my brother. And they were um, wanting me to check into a psych hospital. So I make the phone call to, um, to get an appointment for an evaluation or whatever. And um, while I was on the phone with the lady um, at the hospital, she said, um, if we think it's bad enough, we can involuntarily admit you. And um, something inside me told me, right? Yeah. Something inside me said, don't go today, sleep on it. And now I know that that was my higher power because um, I slept on it. And that night I had a dream. And that dream was my higher power came to me and said, do not go in there because you will lose it. You'll go insane because the people will be in there, too. And um, um, the next day, my brother needed to go to an AA meeting and he didn't have a driver's license. So I offered to give him a ride. And that's how I got into my first AA meeting and I felt safe. I was in, it was in Inverness, Florida. I didn't know anybody except for my brother there, but I felt totally safe. I felt totally protected. I even thought some of the people were in there too, but it didn't matter. I absolutely believed it. I believed, you know, that I felt safe anyway. So I went to meetings every day. I just completely surrendered to that. And, um, 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 And then I got back to California. My girlfriend picked me up at the airport. We go out to dinner. She orders a drink. I don't. We get to her place. She opens a bottle of champagne. And again, I still don't think I'm an alcoholic. I just found a safe place to be. So when she opens that bottle of champagne, I'm thinking, it's just champagne. It's a Keely drinker. Anyway, so that's not going to do it, Anyway, so, but I get, I get wasted because I go into her, into her bathroom and I start stealing her pills and I'm counting the pills and I was never a pill person. So I pass out on her living room floor. And when I finally wake up, I go to the San Clemente Friendship Center for my first meeting there. And I get up and I take a dirty chip. And I say that, I've taken, that I had five days sober. And something had already gotten in, you know, where I knew that I was lying and that these were my people. These were my, you guys are my family. Um, but it hadn't fully registered. I still hadn't conceded to my innermost self that I was an alcoholic. And then when I got home that night, I remember going into my kitchen and opening my cabinets and in my cabinets I was actually creating my own chest set with tequila bottles. So I was buying all of my tequila based on the shape of the bottles, which there's really cool tequila bottles, right? So, you know, the queen and the king and the knight and the bishop and all the pawns. Anyway, and, uh, and I had almost a complete set. So that's 40 bottles. And I had not shared one drop with another person. And that's when I had my proof that I was definitely an alcoholic. And the next day was April 4th, 2010, which happened to be Easter Sunday, which I didn't know was Easter Sunday at the time, you know, that didn't matter, but it happened to be Easter Sunday. I go to the San community friendship center to the newcomer meeting. And that's when I got up and I told the truth about me taking the dirty chip the night before. And that, um, that I was an alcoholic and that I needed help. And, um, and, and the two words that were in the front of the room that we care really spoke to me i believed it even though i didn't believe you i didn't trust you i didn't trust any of the people but i did in some bizarre way and again that's that higher power that's that connection that we have when i'm sitting here and i'm with you guys and even though for those of you i know a lot of you but for those of you that i don't know i still know you we still have a connection and anyway that was already getting in anyway so i surrendered to the program and um So I had this really super great job. I quit that job. And um, I mean, and and anyway, and this is just kind of relevant. It's not to say that I was anything about me, but I was making a lot of money and, um, um, and, and and I was done. I was done even with that. And I got to become like a cleaning person. So I went from selling software to the top country clubs in the country to, cleaning toilets and mopping floors and doing that. And I knew it was the right thing to do. I just knew I was where, where I were, right where I was supposed to be. I became the janitor for the San Clemente Friendship Center for two years. And, um, um, you know, and I went to meetings, two and three meetings every single day. I used to say I went to three meetings every day for two years, but actually I'm now 11 years sober. I still do two to three meetings every single day, almost. So, But I love it. Anyway, it's not, it's not quite that much, but I do, do different programs. But I love it. It's amazing. It's where I get my juice. This is like my church. I just love it. It's like really super connecting with God and with all of you. Um, anyway, I got, um, uh, of course I got a sponsor, started doing the steps. She was hardcore big book, which was exactly what I needed because, um, I was, you know, still the people, the people were still everywhere. The people were in the rooms and she didn't want to hear anything to do that, you know, with, with the people. And it was great. She just kept me back on this step. Yep. If I started talking about the people or talking about anything, she just brought me right back to the big book, and it was amazing. And one thing I do find is interesting: you know, one of my favorite drugs was Molly, of course, and her name was Molly. So <laughs> I thought that, that was my that was my my higher power working in mysterious ways. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, so uh, got service commitments. So for anybody who's new you know, that's one of the biggest things was absolutely getting service commitments. And then I fell in love, of course, with the big book, Fox anonymous. I still love that book. My big book is literally falling apart. This is just, this is a third edition. I have two different copies. And, um, my fourth edition that I use, you know, working with others is literally falling apart. It's talking to me all the time and in that same way. So before when the people were there, now it's, I hear you that unseen, And it's almost like my, and that's the trippy part. It's like my higher power got my attention in a way that, you know, what was it going to take to get my attention? It took me getting into psychosis and seeing these people after me or whatever to finally bring me down. And that's just to say how big my ego was. Right. And, and, but also it really, you know, I didn't know that that's what it was, you know, but it was really the fact that I had no God consciousness. And, and, um, and I see that like with just in my family growing up, like we had a picture of Jesus on the wall and people talked about believing in God, but I never witnessed people actually using God. Like let's, why don't you pray about it? Why don't you meditate on it? Or why don't you wait for God to give you a sign? And, um, and, and that's what I get here is really connecting with the higher power and tapping into that um, unsuspected inner resource that's not only in here, but it's in all of you, and it's in everywhere. It's in the air, and which you know kind of brings me to some of the gifts that also have been given. You know, in working the program, um, Jerry and I we opened a gallery a few years into sobriety um, called Air Laguna um, for artists in recovery, and um, and that was a really you know amazing experience. And again, synchronicities that happen is that. Um, the day that when we were going to meet at the place to figure out whether or not we were actually going to do this, um, I get in my car and I turn on, we knew we were going to call it air if We were going to do it. And I turn on my car and the song comes on, I am in the air. And I knew what we're going to do it no matter what. I mean, God was already given the sign. Um, and one of the other things that, that I did also want to share in case you're not getting them or seeing them is I'm really into God shots and synchronicities. And I call them Sergeant pepperonis. And, um, yeah, um, so before, uh, before I got sober actually, um, and it was, um, yeah, it was actually like kind of right before I had gotten sober, I was um, dropping a friend off at the orange County airport. And, um, uh, anyways, right. Cause I was getting to turn onto the toll road. I look over and I see a pizza place and it's called Sergeant pepperoni's pizza. And I was thinking, oh, that's a really cool name for a pizza place. Thank you. And um and that exact same instant, the Beatles Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club band song came on the radio. And I was like, oh my God, did that just like really happen? Anyway, that had gotten my attention. So just another example of like God oh, like trying to get, get my attention or whatever. Anyway, um, so another big gift that had happened in, in sobriety was um meeting a woman, her name's um Jane Judge, anyway. She because I had become a cleaning person and uh, (laughs) needing to clean myself, of course. Um, And and, uh, anyway, I met Jane by through another person in the program. Jane needed somebody to just come and clean her place. She was in her 80s and she had 30 years of sobriety. And the person that she had asked didn't want to do the job because it was too small of a place. Anyway, so so they asked me if I want to do it. And at that time, I was learning to do exactly what you guys told me to do to just say, yes, just suit up and show up. So I got to suit up and show up. And when I got there, I felt at home, like in her place, it just felt like home, even though I'm going there to clean anyway. um, And and it turns out that I'm getting paid to go there and clean. And really, she's 12-stepping me. She's really teaching me. She's, you know, we're talking about program. We're talking about the steps. We're talking about sobriety. We're talking about God and all those things. Anyway, we end up falling in love and we're like soulmates. And, um, and her daughter was out on meth and my mom, you know, was actually, my mom was just about to pass away. And so we like really connected and that was one of the gifts of the program. Anyway, um, so um, when Jane, Jane didn't, anyway, eventually she was in a car accident and um, I, I moved in with her and I became her caregiver. And um, um, she didn't have money to pay for a caregiver anyway. when she ended up passing away, Um, she had used the equity in her condo to pay me to be her caregiver. So I actually ended up taking over her place and, um, um, and, you know, so 11 years ago, I'm like homeless with not even seeing how I could fit in on this planet. And then because of the gifts of the program, you know, I have a little home and it's been such a huge gift and, um, guess which exit it's off of on the five freeway. It's the 91 exit El Toro. Yeah. So that was amazing. And then also um, when Jane, these are just some of the ways that my heart power, I just love to talk anyway, I just love it. And um, um, so after Jane had passed away, uh, we were celebrating her life at the Canyon Club and um, I was putting together the program for it. And her nephew has an office anyway in Irvine. Anyway, he had a color printer that he was gonna let me use. So I go to his office to print these programs up and I actually got there a little bit late, so not on the time that I was supposed to be there. So that's kind of relevant because the timing was seemed to be off. Anyway, I get onto the elevator and a pizza delivery person gets onto the elevator And it's Sergeant pepperoni's pizza. (laughs) Exactly. Right. Yeah. So I just love all of these signs and they just, you know, they just keep, keep coming up. Um, one of the other amazing gifts is, um, when my mom, um, I was in a meeting on a Saturday night when um, we were doing a daily reader. And this again, just the literature and just the magic of the program. um, They were passing it around where every person could choose what day that they wanted to read. And I picked my mother's birthday. And at the quote at the top read, service is its own reward. And I um, just started bawling and I didn't know why. Well, two days later, I got the call from my little sister um, who was a nurse, telling me that my mom was diagnosed with terminal cancer and that she had less than a year to live. And so I was just shy of two years sober anyway. And I'd already gotten my sign that I'm supposed to go and be of service to my mother. So I hopped on a plane and I was there within two days. And the first thing that she said to me was, I knew you'd come, which was amazing because that was something I didn't do for years. And I'm sorry, earlier, just convoluted, a lot too much going on in there. Um, but, uh, you know, to be able to just kind of describe, you know, what that was like, but you guys all get it. Cause you've been there, but just not showing up for anything. And I really didn't know it. I thought I was living. I thought I was enjoying life. And I got to be there to take care of my mom. And another like amazing miracle that had happened was, um, um, when I was going to come back here, um, some neighbors were delivering some holiday cookies to my dad. Anyway, my, my dad wanted to introduce me to the neighbors. So he calls me to the front door and, um, and I see a plaque on the wall and it's a Thomas Kincaid painting of a lighthouse and it has a Bible verse on it. And for some reason, I've always known my birth time. Um, anyway, it was eight, 12 in the morning and I've just always known that. Thank you so much. Um, let me wrap up. So, um, Uh, Anyway, and the the quote on the on the plaque was I am the light of the world. And then my mom immediately calls me into her room and she asked me not to leave. And um, anyway, she ends up passing in three weeks. So somehow she knew that she was going to be going. And I got to be there to care for her in the time that she was going. I got to she got to become like my little girl anyway. um, So while she was in the process of transitioning. Um, anyway, I just wanted to mention that, um, Connie had sent a book to my dad and it was uh, proof of heaven and, uh, you know, the UPS truck shows up and my dad opens it. And anyway, he kneels next to my mom and he's reading this book to her. And, um, I took a picture of it and I sent it to Connie and she says, um, you know, take uh, there's a poem in the back of the book, um, read it to your mom and hug your dad. So um I yeah, do that. And anyway, on the page where the poem is at the top, there's a quote by Cicero. And the quote is gratitude is not only the greatest of virtues, but the parent of all others. And I had that same quote framed in my bedroom back at home. And Connie had never been to my place. So again, that was like a pretty cool god shot. Anyway, my mom passed away. And then the next day my family shows up and there's I see the truth of no God consciousness. There's no talk of God. There's no talk of heaven. There's no talk of anything. It's just, everybody's kind of crazy because our mom had just passed away. And I immediately found an 11 step meeting and it was a women's meeting. And I get there and I'm sharing the story about my mom just passing and about the book, the proof of heaven. And the woman sitting next to me has that same book in her car. So my point with those things is that, you know, back to that first reading was the unseen of what's not knowing what's really happening here. I can't even put it into words. And that's part of the, well, and I guess that's the whole idea that it's a program of action that maybe we're not supposed to put it into words. Maybe that's, you know, that we, that we suit up and we show up when we do the next indicated thing, we we be of service. We show up for um, the newcomer. We reach out our hand to the newcomer and offer to do the steps, take them through the steps and, And, and actually it's not even taking them through the steps because what's happening for me is I'm taking my sponsees through the steps. I have a ton of sponsees right now. Hopefully they still want me after tonight (laughs) anyway. (laughs) um, And that's the other magical thing that's happening is the information that's coming through to me by working the steps with them is so magical. I can't even describe it. It's unbelievable. So, and, and I'll just kind of wrap up with this last part is, um, so my addiction to sugar has been since I was five and um, and I don't know if you can relate to that but you know sugar is a very tough thing to break anyway so I've been testing trusting my higher power um, and anyway, I've been freed of my sugar addiction um, so I'm 22 days free of that anyway and I've been waiting for my higher power to free me of that. Anyway, the reason I want to share that with you is because, it came by working with sponsees. I, I wasn't able to do it myself. I tried to do it. So just like anything else with the alcohol, the drugs, or whatever, it's it comes from the higher power is is what's actually you know doing the healing. And um, anyway, I had a, a we were studying tradition three, which of course um, the only requirement for membership is a desire to stop drinking. And what I saw in the truth. So this isn't really about the sugar. It could be about anything, alcohol. Is that did I really have the desire to stop the behavior? And I got to really look at it that I didn't really have the desire to stop the behavior. But once I saw that, then I was able to separate from it. And then the next day, I had a sponsor call me about the fourth step and wanted to look at her part. You know, as you go through go through the columns, and we're reading on page sixty-seven. And there's half a sentence that's changed my life. So if this might, oh, this maybe work for you, but in the last three weeks, it's totally changing my life. And it's, we put out of our minds the wrongs others have done. And so when I was helping my sponsee figure out how to see her part in her past and all of her resentments, what I heard from my higher power was my higher power was telling me that's the way to live. Put out of your mind the wrongs others have done. Put, you know, so, and actually, put out of your mind the wrongs or don't even let the wrongs in. And that's one of the reasons why I think I'm having a difficult time going back into my past and because I'm trying to really keeping my mind clear and not even going back to the past and there there, there is nothing wrong. You know, I'm up here trying to say, oh, that shitty back life that I had before, which really wasn't true because it's got me to where I needed to be. I love Newton's third law. You know, for every action, there's equal and opposite reaction. So when I see people, including myself or anybody going out, I see that on the other side that that in equal and opposite reaction. So as bad as it has gotten, then it's going to be equal and opposite on the other side. And it can be that wonderful and magical. Anyway, I love all you guys. Thanks for letting me share. And I hope you have a great evening.